Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Dr. Jean Bereson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Here's what we'll talk about today. So today, we're going to talk about something for which I'm a bit of a novice. Um, we've got, Gene and I are here, and we're speaking with Ellen Broughton, another one of our associate directors of the Clay Center. And we're going to talk about that transition, that terrifying transition of sending your kids off to college. And I'm a novice because I'm the only one here who hasn't done this yet. And we're not just talking college. We're talking work. We're talking trade school. We're talking community college. We're talking just training out of the house. What do you do when they finish high school? My kids are 15 and 9. In that sense, I am the young one here in terms of my children. So I'm looking to Gene and to Ellen for advice. I guess my first question would be, is it worth all this worry that I have right now, four years before it's even going to happen? Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. That's, that's very, it's very reassuring. You should be really worried. Oh, good. No, first, good of all, first of all, it's worrisome because, you know, when you're at home, you have the illusion that you're really in control of everything. We actually aren't, but at least we see the kids when they come home. We know when they're going to bed. We know when they're going to school. Once they've left the house, you don't know. And um, I've got four kids, all of whom have gone to college, you know, one in their 40s, one in their early 30s, and two, you know, in their late 20s, uh, twins. And um, I worried a lot about all of them. Interestingly, none of them were difficult kids or troubled kids or had major problems that I had to kind of be thinking about in advance. But I knew all the things that could potentially go wrong. And I knew each of the kids differently, and I was worried just the same. And, and I would second all of what Jean just said. So I have a 26-year-old who graduated four years ago from college and a 21-year-old who's sort of in the midst of college. And I would agree that we have the illusion as parents that we know what they're they're doing, when really we don't know a lot of what they're doing in high school. But in college, we really don't know what they're doing. I also would say that there's another bit of worry that's valid, and that is that you change yourself, that as a parent, you have to now decide who you are without having that child around, which is very different, maybe maybe different for men than it is for women. But I know for me, my first child going away meant me thinking differently about myself. And that is a process for parents and kids. You really kind of have a parallel process, I think, that was kind of unexpected for me. So, so I, to, to me, this is such an interesting conversation for a lot of reasons. One is it's intensely personal to all of us. Yes. So we, we developed these podcasts to be able to offer advice to parents who, who would be listening. But this one, we're all listening to each other. So mm-hmm. I, I guess the tightrope we're going to walk here, because I'm listening to your advice, t- to me, but parents have come to me and said, how do I deal with this when my kids leave for college in a clinical setting? So the tightrope we're going to walk is how do we give this advice to parents, take from our own experiences, but also stay in this kind of professional realm? It's, this is going to be what I'm going to ask you guys to do because I am – I'm scared. It is scary, you know, and there are a number of things that, that, we, that we've written about in the blog that, that comes along with this podcast about things that, mo- that many of us have worried about. You know, what if your kid gets sick? What if your kid has academic problems? You know, what, if, what about parties and fraternities and hazing and all the peer pressure uh, that, that kids have, you know, with drugs, sex, rock and roll, you know, um, uh, safety issues. I mean, these are the worries, and they're real worries. And but, one of, just for the record, I'm willing to allow rock and roll of those three. <laughs> <I just want laughs> to be clear. I mean, 
yeah, sometimes rock and roll goes along with other things, but right. you know, but 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 you're right. Um, rock and roll music is good, and there, there are many bad things, but there are also many exciting and exuberant things when kids leave home and go to work or take a Absolutely. year off, or you know, or or or, or join Teach for America or do do cool things that are very exciting. So it's a celebration for them and also for us as well because, you know, as much as we're scared, we're also – I'm very proud of, yes. of, of, of what they've done and how this they've is, gotten out of the house. This is why we become parents. We become parents to put adults in the world. Just sort of and usher it's, them. It's yeah. Absolutely. It's, it, and it's liberating. So the same – what, you know, what I was just saying before about finding your way too, it's liberating for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because my entire identity as, as a parent right now is of somebody who is home when his kids are home. And the idea that that will change in, in a kind it's of very sudden different. way, yes. like a sort of one yes. day they're there and the next day they're not. Yes. Um, how do we... It is, it, it's very, it's just, you can't sort of prepare for it. And for me, it was harder the first one going away than the second. Um, I don't know, because I, I think it just became so clear that we were ushering in a whole new time in life. And when the last one goes, I only had two, so... The, the second one was my last, and then it was sort of like, well, we've done this before, and oh, this is kind of new and can be sort of exciting, too, for a person or a couple. But it's also very satisfying. So when my daughter graduated from college, it was one of the best days of my life. I just wasn't prepared for how satisfying it was to know that she completed something that was off to adulthood. And, you know, I think there's a similar feeling to know that your child has a job and is working productively. That's what you really want is your child to be productive. And being happy means to be productive. And so I think there's a, it's incredibly gratifying at the same time. I think, you know, for, for me, all four were different. Uh, and, and it depends on the kid. It depends on where they're going. I mean, my first, you know, my first daughter, you know, went to New York City. I was scared of any kid living in New York City. It's just that was ominous to me. The second, I was worried in large part because, you know, she's an athlete. She was she went to UMass and she was playing field hockey. And I know what the jock scene and the athletic scene is like. It's very disciplined. And for her, it was fantastic because it provided structure. But I didn't know that. I just knew about parties and athletics and the kind of crazy things that you hear about. So I do think it's it's different. And, you know, Steve, just to segue into advice, the blog talks a lot about giving advice, how how to talk to your kids, how to get information, how to help coach them. I'm, how I'm, to... I'm really glad you're doing this segue because you've mostly just increased my anxiety. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody has said anything for, for me to do. No, I, I think I think I think what we've said in the blog is is some tips about how to talk with your kids, how to not lecture them, how to kind of ask them for their own opinions about things. And 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 the listeners can look at the blogs for some of these tips. So let's do ground rules, okay? When I was in college, we, we had this rule. I called Sunday nights at 7 p.m. That was it. And it was just, I mean, long distance cost more then. There were no cell phones, obviously. So 7 o'clock p.m., I called. If I didn't call, my parents rang the warning bell, started looking for me in some way. Or I would tell them, I'm not going to be calling because I'm going to be out that night. I'll call you tomorrow or something. What are the rules now? Well, I think it's dependent on each child. I will tell you for my my son that we actually established that his second year in college that we would have a family call every Sunday or Monday night. And I found it 
incredibly helpful, and so did he. But that was right for him. It might not be right for every student. But when you have a student, I think, that you're worried about, particularly who might be at risk because of a learning issue or an attention issue or depression, I think having a weekly call where they where you don't allow two or three weeks to go by, which is forever in a college life, you know, in a, the, the life of a semester. So actually, we did something very much like that in our own family, and it's working really well. And it's, mine was just the opposite. I had no rules and no regulation and actually heard fairly little from many of the kids. Now, my second daughter, who was the athlete, I mean, we went to her meets. We went to, we went to the, you know, the, the, the athletic events. So we had contact. My last two, the twins, um, I didn't speak to them very much unless there was an issue or a problem. And then I, then I knew there was trouble. And that radio silence was really difficult for me. Um, and it's even more difficult now, I think. But I there's think some kids, too. for example, that won't let go. I've ha- I have friends and, and, and parents that I see whose kids text them and call them all the time. And for those, you have to set rules about kind of like yes. not about letting them fly, about not answering necessarily all the time. So it really does depend on the kid. It does depend on the kid and what they need. So that makes sense. What if you're worried, but your child doesn't seem particularly worried? You think there might be something not great going on. Your child doesn't. Is there any way you can check in on it? Like what advice do you have? Do you go to the college? Do you call the dean? Do you call the resident advisor? Uh, I, I think that's a really tough issue, and I see that happening a lot in the families that I work with and even in our own uh, journey to, you know, in, in terms of our own kids. And I think that's where I think weekly calls can be really helpful. It's it, You can sort of get away with not telling parents about you're failing a class by not contacting them or one week or two weeks. But after a while, having regular contact, if you feel like your child is at risk, I think is a really good thing. And You think it's a good thing to have the weekly calls? I think it's good if if you're worried. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not worried, some kids just don't need that at all. Uh, And and they're but if you're worried about that, I think that's the best person to reach out to is the child as opposed to calling but, the you know, dean. But or the... part of the problem, particularly in college and, and, also, and even more in the workplace, is let's say your kid is having a problem and you find out about it one way or another, either directly from the kid or sometimes from a sibling or sometimes from another relative, you know, an aunt, an uncle who they, who they speak to. Who do you call? I mean, college mental health services are dreadful. You know, in the large universities, it's one certified mental health worker for 3,000 kids. In the workplace, where do they go? To, to, their, to the HR that may or may not exist, you know, to, to see somebody in, in mental health or even a primary care doctor. What if they have a medical problem? I mean, many kids don't even have primary care physicians. They have their pediatricians that are back home, and if they're 1,000 or 2,000 miles away – where do they go when they when they have you know an a, a abdominal pain and and you're worried about appendicitis and you don't know what to do so so one bit of advice that I'm comfortable giving even though my kids haven't gone there yet but I've certainly seen a lot of patients who who've headed off either to college or to work is to make sure before they go that there's something in place from from the mental health perspective because that's why I'm seeing that make sure that they're going to a place with ample services or that you can find somebody in that area who can right. provide for them yes before they go. So you're not you're not in crisis mode. You're you're being kind of proactive. So. Absolutely, but but I think the risk is for those kids who don't have any of those risk factors until they go, and that's when it's really tough as a parent when your child has exhibited no problems, but the the act of going off to school has 
cause them or um, so just set them in motion. Just set them in motion. You know, the first F on the test, or they're flunking a class, or the breakup with the boyfriend or girlfriend. That that has set off something that you don't have experience with, and that's where it can be really tough. And I guess really trying, you know, maybe any parent should have that in the back of their mind. What would we do? What's our plan if things didn't go well freshman year or sophomore year? Let me, because I know we have limited time, can I shift to to just another issue that I remember just crushing my parents, not deliberately, by saying, I think it was my junior year, saying, it's time for me to go back home when I was at home. And I was referring to college. I was referring to going back to the town where I went to college as opposed to my own home. It just slipped. It was like a, like a Freudian slip. And but a mom, lot of kids, a lot of kids stay where they go to college. No, no, I, I know that. But my, to my parents, <laughs> they were like, but, but this is your home, yes. sweetie. And I was like, oh, I know. I'm so sorry. So how do, what advice do we have for parents when that moment happens? Because I, I can see from the, you know, 8,000 feet, it's a good thing. But. Chris, so, so part, so one of the major, major themes here is, is that, Parents need to be prepared for rejection and for loss yes. because you will be rejected. They, they, they want to go to their boyfriend or their girlfriend's house for Thanksgiving. They're not coming home for the holidays. They want to stay where they went to college. They're going to get a job there. They're going to, you know, all these things can be losses and rejections and be prepared and don't take it personally. They're just growing their own you know, roots and they're growing their own friendships and they're, and they're establishing a life for themselves. And I would try not to see, I mean, it, it is, it feels like a rejection, but it's really, it's really their expression of being their own person yes. in the Probably. world. It's, it's actually what you've groomed them for. Yes, it's inevitable. You yeah. cannot get away from it. And I also think it's time for you to think about yourself. And that can be really great for your kids to see that they are their own person. And they are out on their own, and you're going to fill that time with other things that are meaningful to you. And that can give them meaning and purpose, too. It's a challenge, too, to do when, we're, when we've spent 18 or more years pouring ourselves into someone else's life to now say they've got their own life, and now it's time for us to look back on, our, on ourselves. But the other thing that I've noticed with all four of my kids, and this is, this is the, the good news. I mean, the bad news is, is that it's a loss, and it is a loss regardless of what we say. But the good news is is that about the end of junior year, Steve, just when you were talking about it, all of my kids and many of the kids that I've that I've heard about from friends and from other parents, there's a turning of the corner when your little kid becomes more of a peer and more of a confidant in a mature adult way. And so I remember when my oldest daughter at at 2 o'clock in the morning, because she knew that I was up late at night, you know, writing papers or doing other stuff, she called me up and she said, you know, she knew I was up. She said, Dad, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the trouble I gave you in high school and early in college, and I was a pain. and, and, And we talked for a few hours, and every single kid turned a corner around the end of junior to senior year, and maybe it's because they realize that now that they're adults and they're going to actually be flying on their own. But the relationship changed, and it really was remarkable, and it was so rewarding to be able to talk with them in a, in a very different way. I mean, you lose the cuddly little kids that you, that you like to snuggle up with, but, but you gain something else. Oh, you gain something incredibly wonderful. You've had the same thing too? Yes, absolutely. It, it is incredibly gratifying to raise an adult. And it, there's a part of me that thinks, if I only knew 
what I know now, when they were babies, I would have been so much more relaxed knowing that eventually they're going to grow up and be these wonderful people. We, we realize, of course, that this is the theme to about 4,000 folk songs. That, That's that right. right now. <laughs> there's, there's like Bob Dylan, there's Cat That's Steven. Right. No, it's we true. We sing the father and it's son thing. Absolutely. But, but there's a reason, it's, right? It, because there it speaks is. to kind of a folk wisdom and, that and we need yes, to what, one, yes. th- one thing that I'd like to just end on or, or, or think about, because uh, we gave a lot of tips in the blogs about how to deal with your kids, but how do we deal, like Steve, who do you go to? Ellen, who do you go to when, when you're alone and your kid is struggling or you're worried? Who do we go to and talk with and how do we get support and strength when we need it as as parents? You know, I think you have to find those people. And, and sometimes for women, it's in a book club with other women whose kids have, have just left the nest. Um, I also think we have to be careful, too, at thinking – like for myself, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college and my daughter was the second. So I didn't have my parents to go to to say what was, you know, in fact, there are plenty of parents who would say not everybody has to go to college when your child and they isn't don't. making it. And they don't. But maybe they want to. So I think we have to pick those people carefully and they may come in very unexpected places. It may be our own parents or it may be friends or even acquaintances. It's funny how at this time of life, you meet new people who are going through the same time in their life, the same journey that you are going through. And it, that can be really wonderful to, to be able to connect with other people you wouldn't necessarily have connected with because of what you're going through. So this has actually been very helpful for me, and I, I'm happy to receive or to get a bill from you guys so I can pay for our time <laughs> together. Um, to sort of summarize, um, I need not worry alone. I should join a women's book club. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> which I would be happy to do now anyhow. But more importantly, this is an incredibly gratifying, if also anxiety-provoking time, and we should reach out to one another in order to find our way through it. If you have other questions or thoughts about this, please do uh, drop us a line. Check out the blog. I'm Steve Schlossman. I'm Gene Bereson. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.